Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us as always, rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, our Twitter handle, tst underscore underscore radio. And our website, thesecretteachings.info, www.thesecretteachings.info, where you can find our archive for free. You can listen to all the shows. There's also an RSS feed to plug that into one of your radio or podcast players. If you'd like to get the advertisement-free version of the show, though, and support what we do here at The Secret Teachings, you can subscribe to the full show archive. And that will get you access not only to the shows and a private RSS feed, it will also get you access to all of the montages that we play that I make week in and week out here. And you'll also get access to digital copies to download and read of my books, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and support The Secret Teachings today. And while you're at it, If you haven't done so already, subscribe to Aftermath for Clyde Lewis's archive. When you subscribe to Clyde's archive, you do not get my content and vice versa. When you subscribe to my archive, you do not get Clyde's content. You'll have to subscribe to both. And right now I have a special deal, $40 for a whole whole year. You get everything for a whole year, $40. Visit the website and uh, we do it through PayPal donations. Just donate through PayPal on our website, thesecretteachings.info. It supports our show. It keeps us on air Monday through Friday, and it allows us to talk about things that are not welcome on other networks, not welcome in a lot of social circles, things that are considered highly offensive, things that are considered to be grotesque to even suggest them. How dare you question whatever the status quo is, whatever the narrative is? You know, how, how, how dare you question young people that are concerned about gun violence. You know, they just had one of these, I call it March for Our Lies, but they call it March for Our Lives, that whole David Hogg group that has millions of dollars after the shooting in Florida a couple of years ago. They had a big rally here in Tucson a few days ago. And I I always wonder how, you know, when I was in high school, I played basketball. And um, I made the, uh, the varsity team when I was a little bit younger. Like, I was, I was pretty good at basketball. But I, I never could get anybody together to play, like, a pickup game, even at school. Like, everybody always had to go home after school, or my mom worked at the school, so I would be there longer. I could never get people to come to, like, a pickup game of basketball. The, the best I could get was maybe two-on-two. That was it. And that's with people there after school waiting for their parents to come pick them up. Could never get a big group of people together to play. And uh, even when I was, um, as I got older, I got involved in some libertarian groups and you can never get more than, I don't know, 10 people to come to a, to a meeting like that. You know, it's still better than a Joe Biden rally, but <laughs> you couldn't get more than a couple people to come to it because people are busy. People have stuff to do. But, you know, this March for Our Lives protest that was in Tucson, they had more than 10 people there. And it's the same thing with uh, the women's marches or it's the same thing with uh, Black Lives Matter marches. Or, and it's not really a matter of whether you agree or disagree with the marches. It's just like, how, how are they getting so many, in some cases, tens of thousands of people 
to come out into march and to protest and to hold up signs and how did all these people just they came up with the same slogans they 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 said they all have t-shirts they printed those overnight with t-shirt printers they have in their basement they all have the same wristbands the same headbands the same pink hats again it doesn't matter what the what the event is it, women's marches, gun control, abortion, you know, or it could be climate. Everybody has the same signs, same slogans, same chants. And there's always these people that wander around with these yellow green vests on and they tell the crowd who to talk to, who not to talk to, what to say, how to say it. And, and, and you start to realize, regardless again of what you think of any of these things, you could be anti-gun, you could be pro-abortion. It doesn't necessarily matter. What I'm saying is, if you look at the groups of people that are, are put together to protest, quote unquote, these things, to me, it just feels like that the right to protest is being utilized by very powerful, very wealthy groups that are getting usually young people involved so that when you critique what that group stands for or represents, now you're assaulting children. And it could be something as simple as, well, I don't agree with uh, this, this particular gun control proposal. Oh, you must want kids to die. I don't agree that uh, a carbon tax would necessarily fix um, you know, the, the climatic issues. You must want children to suffer and their children to suffer as well in the future, your grandchildren. You want people to suffer and, and burn up in, 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 the, in the apocalypse, in the Armageddon in the Holocaust that's, that's happening on this planet, this mass death by fire, because the planet is burning, you know? So they, they, basically, the, the people that are involved in these things, uh, and it doesn't matter if they're, they're under their own will or they've been manipulated through social media programs, or it does, none of that really matters, or even what I think of those, those demonstrations or what I think of the, 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 the overall ideology I'm more concerned with how you can get so many young people and sometimes not only can you get those young people locally, you get these young people that are, that are shipped all across the country. Remember when March for our lives was in Washington, when that group first started, they had like 10,000 people or more, maybe might've been more than that. Thousands of people. And they had kids bust from all over the country. Don't like, don't, don't kids have other things to do. You, you, I mean, I couldn't get, you know, my parents to sign off on some, sometimes we had field trips, you know, but kids are being shipped from all corners of the country to Washington and every parent is okay with that. Or are they just not aware that their kids are gone? <laughs> They're just tens of thousands of kids across the country disappear and end up in, in Washington at a rally. You know, if you start to look into it though, you, you realize that there's something, there's something more than a natural outgrowth of, of concern for social political issues. And the youth seem particularly disturbed by what they've been told is going to be their last day of school because they could be shot. What is going to be their last few years of their very young lives as the planet catches fire and burns beyond repair. I'll never forget when I lived in Rochester, I was driving down uh, Monroe Avenue going to the little grocery store that I worked at and it was in the middle of winter and uh, somebody had spray painted in the middle of winter 
onto um, it was like a power box, and they spray painted "The Earth is on Fire," and I thought it was so ironic because they they spray painted it like right at the beginning of winter, so in the fall, and as it starts to snow here or there, and it's like it's it's snowing. The Earth, is, what what do you mean the Earth is on fire? Well, there's there's wildfires. Yeah, there are always wildfires, and a lot of those wildfires are caused by human activity. Yes, but it's because of poor forest management. Like, things are not so black and white. Just because there's a fire doesn't mean the, the earth is on fire. Everything is burning. But this is what kids are told. And then kids, because most kids are, are kind and decent, and I, I believe that children have to either have no guidance whatsoever or they have to literally be taught to discriminate and to hate and to to do things that are socially unacceptable by a civilized standard. So kids that are terrified and holding up signs about guns and even about abortion and about, which I think is very ironic when you have kids holding up signs that are pro-abortion or you have kids holding up signs about climate, like I've only got 10 years to live. And these numbers are totally arbitrary. They don't mean anything. They're just, it's like, it's, it's a scare tactic. It's, it's literally to create so much panic and fear and terror that it, generates this hysteria and hysteria doesn't have time for reason hysteria doesn't have time for logic hysteria doesn't have time for a discussion or debate it's we have 10 years or we're all going to die and if you really want to understand what this is where you have kids that are essentially being used at least that's what it feels like kids that are being used as i i believe shields to advance this what I would consider to be some form of political agenda is you look at social policies and you see that the hysteria is an admittedly weaponized process, an admittedly weaponized procedure that goes back to groups like the Club of Rome, for example. It goes back to the report from Iron Mountain on the desirability of peace, what to do when war is no longer a, a viable means to hold society together. That's that, that, that kind of neocon Bush administration view. Remember that, that neocon view of we have to have an enemy image to hold society together. And the Stanford Research Institute, among others. Some of you might have heard this quote before. It's a really good quote. You should write it down or search for it if you've never heard it before. The Club of Rome in 1992, so this was Quite a while ago, this was long before we started seeing the effects of climate change, as we're told today. The Club of Rome published this in 1991. The headline of the piece is The First Global Revolution. And here's what they said. It's a peculiar statement. In searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages famine, and the like, would fit the bill. Now, I'm not sure if you processed all that because it's a pretty astounding statement. The report from Iron Mountain said that in looking for this, this neocon image, this enemy image to unite us, we thought the best thing that could unite the public would be to use the threat of pollution, global warming, water shortages, and famine. And this would unite the world. 
especially if you compare that to the report from Iron Mountain, in a time in which war was no longer viable to unite the population. However, war could be utilized as a parallel to our response of things like uh, climate change. So we could put the world on a, a war-like footing. A war-like footing. And um, that's actually a, 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 a paraphrase. I believe it was uh, Prince Charles said that we need to have a war-like footing to address climate change, right? A war-like footing in a climate fight. That was back in uh, November of 2021. So they are addressing the issue of climate as if it's a, as if it's a war. So that whole idea of, of, of utilizing, in this case, climate as a method by which to, to turn the population into a, a, a warlike culture to fight against this enemy image, it's a very, very real thing. And it's a very, very similar thing to what the Chinese Communist Party, particularly Mao Zedong, founder of the People's Republic of China, it's what he called for. He said that he wanted there to be a, a, a war-like footing um, in order to address things like class warfare. Um, everything was organized into a, a warlike uh, thing where uh, this is this is it's so fascinating to me every every component of of life in communist china after the revolution back in the 40s and 50s was organized along military lines villages were foot soldiers they had to fight battles on the front lines in battalions and platoons and shock brigades that would stage a march in a form of mobile warfare and these are the kinds of things that we see today. We see people staging marches for mobile warfare. We see people fighting battles on the front lines. Frontline workers, remember? Frontline workers who were, they were, they were mandatory, they were necessary, they were, they were essential until they decided not to proceed in continuing on with, with um, the narrative and they decided that they don't want to get the experimental shot. Then suddenly... They, they, they were not equal anymore, that they had to be fired, they had to be gotten rid of. So they create this, this, this warlike footing, like Prince Charles said. And it's really interesting if you go beyond the report from Iron Mountain and you look at the Stanford Research Institute, they've openly acknowledged that the goal is to get the youth involved in politics and to use, this is a quote, from the Stanford Research Institute to use the quote emergence of the conservation ecology movement quote unquote which i would imagine has to do with pollution global warming water shortages famine and the like which would fit the bill in finding a new enemy to unite us as the club of rome said in the early 1990s the conservation ecology movement and that the conservation ecology movement and youth involvement in political processes are steps toward collectivizing society and creating a, quote, new image of a human being. They also said that other methods to bring this about, to have this enemy image, these are quotes, this is a quote. The, quote, women's liberation movement, 
and, quote, black consciousness. Anybody with a few brain cells can pick up what that means immediately. Women's liberation movement, not just feminism, women's liberation movement, the pink hats, the women's marches, the abortion marches. What is black consciousness? Well, that kind of sounds like Black Lives Matter. More specifically, in regards to the youth, this is another quote from the Stanford Research Institute, youth rebellion against societal wrong. So this would be your social justice warriors. The idea that we should, quote, have experimentation with new family structures and interpersonal relationships. There's a new thing I just read the other day that a lot of people who are totally platonic, they're not sexually involved, they're not romantically involved, but they're getting legally married to obtain the benefits of of a legal marriage. And I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel that if, you know, if people have have, um, you know, an issue with, with gay folks being married, I wonder what they feel about people that are taking the institution of marriage and they're simply using it for political benefits or, you know, economical benefits. I wonder what people think about that. But there's, there's an idea, experimentation with new family structures. That's what BLM said. They want to disrupt the, quote, Western prescribed nuclear family structure, right? They also said that they would like to... Um, Increase interest in things like spiritual disciplines. And I believe that that has something to do with the erosion of uh, what I call God, which is morality, balance, ethics, virtue, decency. To me, that's, that's what God is. So you look at these things and the youth rebellion against societal wrongs manifested in social media justice warriors and political correctness The experimentation with new family structures and interpersonal relationships manifested as a result of, well, technology use and a statement from another document, Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, insisting that, quote, the family unit must be carefully disintegrated. The emergence of the conservation ecology movement, which is our main focal point here, relates to Earth Day, green movements, and sustainability directives from the United Nations. And of course, the women's liberation movement, black consciousness, etc., has manifested in extremist women's rights groups and black lives matter. And all of this is aiming toward the same end. The end is the emergence of a new image of human being. That's a quote, a new image of human being, a new image of human being. What is this, this new image? Well, the report from Iron Mountain suggested in a section of their report, that the overall goal, and this is in their section called ecological, so we're dealing with conservation and ecology, they suggested that the whole point of this process was based on the idea of one thing. That one thing is a, quote, comprehensive program of applied eugenics. That is the goal. And contrary to popular belief, the ideology of eugenics did not begin in Germany, but in Britain, where the term was coined in 1883 by Francis Galton. Programs of eugenics were also operated in league with the United States in the early 20th century. The United States um, saw eugenics programs begin as early as 1904 when Charles Davenport started the Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory. He was a eugenicist. 
And he, he started that laboratory with money from the Rockefellers, Carnegie's, and the Harriman's. Rockefeller family also famously funded the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute for Genealogy and Demography, which formed a central pillar of the Third Reich's obsession with race. For those of you who know your history, in 1907, the state of Indiana became the first to pass a sterilization law, which allowed medical professionals to sterilize people deemed to exhibit hereditary characteristics considered undesirable. See, just like with the so-called pandemic, you are essential until you're not essential, until you no longer fit the narrative, and then you have to be purged from society, purged from the party, socially assassinated, much like the Chinese communists did during and after the revolution in the late 40s into the 50s, up until the 60s when they had the Cultural Revolution. Dozens of states followed what Indiana did in the United States. Between 1929 and 1974, 7,600 people were sterilized under the North Carolina Eugenics Board. Michigan sterilized over 3,700 people between 1914 and 1964. And the thing is, those practices continue into the 21st century, but have become more sophisticated. Those concerned with social justice for black folks, black consciousness, should take a very careful look at institutions like Planned Parenthood and their murdering of thousands of black babies. As long, uh, you know, as long as you don't mention that, then you're okay. But as soon as you mention that Planned Parenthood is the number one killer of, of, of blacks, then suddenly there's, there's an issue because that's not considered politically correct. All of this, like with the birth strikers, seems to be about, about children, about the next generation. And we know that children are young and impressionable, and when they're young and impressionable, you can fill their minds with, with anything, fill their minds with your beliefs, turn them into a Christian, turn them into whatever, you mold their minds. Maybe you let them develop and figure things out for themselves, but you know, a little bit of you gets impressed upon them, if not by genetics, by, by your, your views on the world. But when children are are gobbled up by the state and whether it's drag queen story time or it's terrifying children into thinking that the earth's on fire they're all going to die then we have a different problem we have young people a generation being brainwashed and utilized as a political weapon in order to shape society to create a new image of man and that's something that um we need to discuss that tonight on the secret teachings because it's becoming more and more obvious I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us right here on Ground Zero Radio. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. This is David Icke from DavidIcke.com, author of The Phantom Self and The Perception Deception, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. 
We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. listening to the secret teachings radio broadcast i'm your host ryan gable the youth the very young impressionable people in our society seem very disturbed by what they've been told of the last few years of their very young lives as the planet catches fire and burns beyond repair and the youth also seem to be really concerned over things like gun violence and even abortion find it fairly weird and kind of ironic when you see little kids holding up signs that that are pro-abortion. I don't know if anybody else finds that ironic. You, you look around and you see these protests, marches. We just had a anti-gun march here in Tucson. Same thing that was organized all over the country for March for Our Lives, or what I call March for Our Lies. And you always get these very young people that are that are involved in the process. So if you critique what that group does, of course, you're attacking children. And uh, that's uncalled for, and that's something we don't tolerate in society. So you have to shut up and let the kids talk. And, and what do the kids say? Well, the kids say the planet is burning. We need to do something. The kids say that gun violence is killing people. So we have to get rid of all the legal guns. They say that abortion is a human right. So all the kids holding up signs that say pro-abortion, that they should have been aborted, really. I mean, that's the only way to save humanity. You start to see these parallels between all these so-called spontaneous 
individual groups and ideas. And one really only needs to look into admitted social policies that have been clearly enacted to recognize that whether an argument is true or not and whether you agree with it or not, a lot of this is hysteria. And it's admittedly weaponized as part of social engineering programs that have, I'll use the word admittedly again, admittedly been documented and and published as goals in which to move society forward, both in the United States and around the world. The Club of Rome, the report from Iron Mountain on the desirability of peace, the Stanford Research Institute, and a lot of others have suggested using children and using children in a way that creates a shield against whatever political or other critique one might have of of what that child is representing. No gun violence. You know, save my life. Save me from dying in school from all the gun violence. Sign this legislation. You know, it's just, it's, it's really disgusting. It doesn't matter if Republicans do it, Democrats do it. It's, it's disgusting when children are used as political leverage. But what might be even more disgusting is when you recognize, go back to 1991 and the Club of Rome. The Club of Rome said, in searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like would fit the bill. Now, you heard that right. That's a quote from 1991. The Club of Rome said that they wanted to use an idea of pollution, an idea of global warming, water shortages, famine. They wanted to use these ideas and these images to unite the public. Likewise, the Stanford Research Institute suggested using the youth in the political process. And as part of that process, quote, the emergence of the conservation ecology movement. And the goal of using the youth for the emergence of the conservation ecology movement, as well as other things, they call them uh, women's liberation and black consciousness. These are quotes from the Stanford Research Institute, which are women's groups, abortion, and Black Lives Matter for black consciousness. All of them seem to have the same, the same goal. They all seem to, to, to be aimed at the same thing. They all seem to be aimed at limiting the growth of the individual unit and the family unit. That's what, obviously, women's groups do with abortion. They, they want everything to be pro-abortion. They don't understand that the Supreme Court's original 1973 Roe v. Wade decision was that a woman's right is not absolute, but they don't care about that because they never read Roe v. Wade. They don't know that the states are going to make the, the decision and that in states even that are restrictive, you can still get abortions, you know, depending on the circumstance, you know, rape, incest, etc. They don't know that because it's just a regurgitated talking point. It's literally a copy and paste, download this PDF, put it on a sign. It's a, it's a t-shirt given out at the rally. I'm not saying people don't believe in being pro or anti something, but it's clearly organized to create a group collective hive mind where if you go to one of those events, people don't even talk to you or they're told not to talk to you if they try to talk to you. I mean, that's, that's the women's liberation movement. That's what it's, it's become in the same way that black consciousness. What did Black Lives Matter say on their website? I've got a copy of it. They said they, they disrupt the, the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. That's a quote. And they say they want to use villages 
and focus on the relationship between the community and the child and the woman, saying nothing about men, which is, don't you find that strange considering the decimation of black communities and the removal of fathers from those communities? Don't you think that's weird that BLM doesn't address anything about planned parenthood and how less than, you know, what is it, 7% of the entire population are black women and a small percentage of them are pregnant at any time? And they account for up to 40% of all abortions. It's over a third. How is that statistically possible when you put 62% of, of Planned Parenthoods in black neighborhoods along with liquor stores? And then there's definitely systemic racism. It's just not coming from the place that you think it's coming from. It's coming from the people that are telling you they can fix it because they're taking control of a narrative that they created. But this is all directly from the Stanford Research Institute. Black consciousness and the goal of BLM is to destroy the family structure. And the Club of Rome, like the Stanford Research Institute, the report from Iron Mountain, they're talking about using ecology and conservation as a method to control society, having society fight, having civilization come together and unite and fight against this common enemy, global warming. They said that back in 1991. The report from Iron Mountain suggested that the ultimate goal is beyond societal cohesion the ultimate goal is something a little more sinister they they wrote this they wrote this the report from iron mountain said that in order to control social conditions beyond war and to better control them with war here are a few recommendations massive global environmental pollution a modern sophisticated form of slavery a comprehensive program of applied eugenics. Also, a new religion. A new religion. Now, what would this new religion be? A religion that is new or a new mythology. Now, I find it really interesting that over the years, we've, we've looked at things like hurricanes and even winter storms, and we've started to we've started to name them, right? We've we've named hurricanes for a long time, and um, we even named winter storms. We oh, the bomb cyclone. We give them these names: the bomb, the bomb cyclone. We give them these names, and well, now it's been discussed for a couple of years, but um, the discussion is is now that we should name heat waves as well. We should name them just like we name hurricanes. Now, when you name a hurricane or when you name a, a heat wave, I find it to be strikingly similar to what our ancestors did when they went out in the woods, when they looked at the water, when they looked at a fire, when they looked at the night sky, and they gave names to, to these different parts of nature. God of lightning, God of thunder, God of the ocean, God of wind, etc., and we're doing the same thing with hurricanes. Some want to do this with heat waves to name them. Name the heat waves, name the hurricanes, name the storms. Because that anthropomorphizes them, doesn't it? It anthropomorphizes them and turns them into to characters, to things that are easier to understand. You know, you know the, the, the second heat wave, third heat wave, fourth heat wave of the season doesn't sound as good as heat wave Jerry, heat wave Bob. Heat wave Karen. That's an annoying heat wave. 
so if you have a heat wave that's named, well, suddenly people are going to take more notice of that because we identify with things that are like us culturally, socially, things that look like us, things that people that might believe the same things we do. We feel more comfortable around those things. But the goal is not making us feel more comfortable around hurricanes or heat waves. It's making us feel less comfortable because if this heat wave has a name, if this hurricane has a name, we can track it, we can trace it, we can watch it, and we can think and then furthermore look back and say that heat wave, um, you know, heat wave Gary was, was a really nasty heat wave and it becomes part of the mythology. And, and this is what the report from Iron Mountain suggested uh, decades ago, talking like half a century ago, this report uh, on the quote, desirability of peace. And this report um, came out and uh, the, the, it, when, you, when you read this thing, this came out in the early sixties. When you read this thing, not only are they saying massive global environmental pollution, but they're, they're tacking on new religions or other mythologies, which is what we're doing with weather. We're naming weather. We're, we're, we're saying this is heat wave, you know, Bob. This is heat wave Karen. That gives it a new type of life. And then as we look back, heat wave Bob was the worst heat wave in this many decades or generations. We look back, and then it becomes part of the mythology. Now, these goals from the report from Iron Mountain um, are all—they're—they're substitutes for the functions of war. But there's other other things the report from Iron Mountain suggests that we could do. Um, Political aims of what they say would be a global government, a green movement. This is back in the '60s, and even a threat from beyond this world. This is a quote. An omnipresent, virtually omnipotent international police force. Kind of sounds perhaps what the IHR regulations, the international health regulations, have just been changed to include for the World Health Organization and their director. An established and recognized extraterrestrial menace. Hey, perhaps that's why the Pentagon's so concerned with UAPs, but they neglect to show you literally mountains of evidence that make these Tic Tacs look like, you know, last page of the newspaper stories. Just an abundance of credible evidence that nobody wants to touch. Doesn't fit the narrative of disclosure. And of course, massive global environmental pollution. That's what they say. Massive global environmental pollution as a tool as a political goal to use that to hold society together. And they conclude fictitious alternate enemies. Fictitious enemies, maybe invisible particles, maybe, oh, I don't know, invisible changes in the climate, invisible only because we don't see them in context. And why is it the report from Iron Mountain said that in 1960s, and yet, the Club of Rome in 1991 picked up where they left off and said in searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea of pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like would fit the bill. How could two totally different administrations, one was the Kennedy administration, one is the, the well, Reagan to Bush administration, and, and you have these social policies that are, being, that are being proposed, and they're all the same. Use the environment 
use ecology, use conservation as a method of societal control. This is not my opinion. This is not you are entitled to your own opinion but not your own facts. This is a fact. You can dispute it all you want, but regardless of how many times you dispute these these particular documents or these particular policies, it's the same policy everywhere you look. The report from Iron Mountain, the Club of Rome, the Stanford Research Institute, and it's part of the mythology today. It's part of the, the, the conversation that we hear about in the news. We hear about in, hell, movies and TV shows, the documentaries. Everything's about climate change, climate change, climate change, climate change, climate change. It's like, you, it's like a tick. It's like they've got Tourette's. They, 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 just, they can't stop it. Yet, back in the 1970s, I would, I would assume, I don't know this for sure, but I would assume after the, the report from Iron Mountain on the de- desirability of peace in the early 60s, when they said that they wanted to use environmentalism as a method to control society, and then, of course, the ultimate goal would be, and this is a quote as well, a comprehensive program of applied eugenics. So eugenics is at the core of all of this, and, and, and using the climate, using you know, gun control, using abortion, uh, using Black Lives Matter, where BLM says they want to destroy the family structure, the abortion, women's rights movements want total abortion across the board. It, it's all about controlling the family. It's all about controlling the individual. It's all about pushing society into group hive mind collectives where nobody owns anything, you'll own nothing, and you'll be happy. And, you know, when you say, well, this is the communist doctrine, oh, you're just worried about communism. This, this is just a, just a modern-day Cold War paranoia. It's like, no, you, if you go and read, there's a really great book series on this. If you read Frank Decoder, who's one of the first people to get into the Communist Party of China's archives, if you read his three-part book series on the history of the revolution, it's literally everything that's happening today. In fact, it's so similar to what's happening today, it's almost like what's happening today is just being intentionally repeated. I, the, 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 the Communist Party of China lied about a disease spreading in Manchuria and other parts of the country. People had to take mandatory vaccines. They were locked in their homes. They were social distanced. They had to wear masks. That sound familiar to you? And then Beijing, a little bit later, after they wasted immense amounts of medical supplies, they sprayed toxic chemicals everywhere. They forced people to get injections with things that were just poison. Beijing admitted that it was all made up, was all fake, and people continued to go along with it after the fact. 1952, Beijing. That's when it started. And then there's another story that's really interesting because the, the, one of the premiers of the party, the Communist Party, died on January 8th. Interestingly enough, he died on January 8th, and uh, as a result of, uh, of the party trying to prevent the public from celebrating his life because he was considered kind of like a, kind of like a subversive, it, it, they, didn't, they didn't like him too much because he was a, a moderate in the party. Uh, his name was Zhao Inlai, and he was a moderate leader of the Communist Party. Now, they wanted to honor his death, and the Communist Party wouldn't let people, they banned it everywhere. So protests erupted all over Beijing, all over the country. People brought things to Tiananmen Square around the time of the Qingming Festival, the tomb sweeping day. And this was a few weeks after uh, Zhao Enlai had died. And so because people brought flowers and poems and things like that to the capital, do you know what the Chinese Communist Party said? They said that the capital had been 
the location of an insurrection and thousands of people were arrested for counter-revolutionary crimes. And in a lot of places, every person who had visited the Capitol was investigated. Schools, factories, offices, etc. Anybody who had been to the Capitol peacefully to protest were rounded up, arrested, and tried. Well, it's a kangaroo court. They're not really tried. Doesn't that sound familiar to what's happening today? It is a communist doctrine. I don't care what you choose to call it. That's what I choose to call it. Regardless of what you choose to call it, it's happening. And just a few years after the report from Iron Mountain on the desirability of peace was published, in the 1970s, it began. Global cooling. The big freeze. Global cooling and the big freeze. And that proceeded all throughout the 70s into the 80s until things started to shift and we started to hear about global warming. Then we heard about climate change. And in the process of of transitioning from the 1970s to today, we have these these double-bind fallacies that we ask and that we circulate as part of the narrative throughout our society, throughout culture, entertainment. We have these questions like, do you believe in climate change? That's a very misleading statement because it, it, it proposes that I either believe it because it's a real thing or I don't believe it and I'm disagreeing with reality. There's much more to it than the vague usage of science as an authority or the fear generated by suggesting what will happen to, you know, to animals or children if we neglect to act now. This is about much more than the fact that climate always changes. And implications of climate change is anything other than natural and influenced you know, uh, uh, processes of, of the sun and the jet stream. You know, the sun and the moon and the jet stream control the weather. And if you tamper with solar radiation, solar light, solar radiation management, if you tamper with the jet stream, you can change the weather. Spraying sulfur particles into the atmosphere. You can block sunlight and you can cool the planet temporarily, but then heat gets trapped and it gets worse and you have to spray even more. Solar radiation management, chemical trails, all this is now publicly acknowledged, CNN, mainstream news, you name it. This is now a publicly acknowledged thing after years and years and years and years and years of it not being true, if it all being some big conspiracy theory. Now we have acknowledgement that these things are actually happening, despite the fact that if you go back to the 1970s when global cooling was a thing uh, or you go back to uh, a little bit before that 1967 you had project Popeye in 1967 which was a weather modification program run in Southeast Asia that's the story of the flooding of the Ho Chi Minh Trail and then Storm Fury another program flown in the early 1970s uh, aircraft were flown into tropical storms, releasing silver iodide particles to cool the water and weaken storms. So this is this is literal weather control and the altering and the controlling and the, and the manufacturing of climatic changes. This is all you can get on Noah's website and look this up. It's all documented. But we're not hearing about global cooling anymore. I mean, just think about that for a second. 1960s report from Iron Mountain using ecology and conservation creating these new mythologies, new religions to control society. In their own words, we name hurricanes, we name heat waves, we want to name heat waves now. That's creating a new mythology. 
And a few years after this report was published, suddenly the fear of global cooling and the big freeze began. And around that time, we had Project Storm Fury and Project Popeye, literal weather control, weather manipulation programs run by the United States military. And then if you fast forward to the 90s, the Club of Rome said that we wanted, as a group, we want to use pollution, global warming, water shortages, and famine as part of a new enemy that will, quote, unite us. And the Stanford Research Institute later on suggested using the youth and getting them concerned over women's issues, black consciousness, and the emergence of ecology and conservation as movements, environmentalism, to create a new image of a human being. And they all seem to be focused, very, very significantly, that is, very significantly focused on things like children, birthing, families. BLM wants to get rid of the family structure. The pro-abortion groups have kids holding up signs promoting abortion. You might have noticed the supply chain breakdowns and certain types of shortages and things like, oh no, baby formula. You may notice that there are groups such as birth strikers. You ever seen the birth striker group? Or the Extinction Rebellion that looks like something out of the handmaiden tale, a Handmaiden's Tale. They wear those disturbing red dresses or red cloaks or whatever the hell they wear. They go to their climate ma- black masses. And uh, you know they wear masks as well over their face. And so you have these groups, like birth strikers, decided they're not going to have children to save the environment. And Extinction Rebellion is is just a cult of people that wear things that look like they're they're at the mansion party in Eyes Wide Shut, and um, they have their little hourglass inside of their circle, and they, they say they rebel for life. They're rebelling for life. Re- rebelling against against what? And this, this is the big question. Rebell, what, what are these people rebelling against? What, what exactly do you want to happen? You, you want legislation? You want changes to happen and how energy is produced and how energy is used. The, the, the International Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, said back in March that climate change was hitting the world's poor the hardest. And as a result of that, we need climate justice. So once again, they make this about supposed minority groups, black folks, etc., The real irony of this whole thing is when you choose to enact the types of policies that increase the cost of energy in the developed world, in the wealthiest country, one of the wealthiest countries in the world, the United States, and gas goes up, heating bills, cooling bills go up. Ask yourself this question, what happens to poorer people when you do that? You see, they say that poor people are going to be hit the hardest by climate change, but what they're not telling you is they're not being hit the hardest by climate change. They're being hit the hardest by climate change policies. That's what's harming the poor. I can barely afford to put gas in my car. I've stopped driving, which is ultimately the goal. I've stopped driving. uh, I, I maybe go out three times a week now as opposed to going out every day. And that's affecting me. I only make maybe $1,200 a month doing this radio show. That's, that's literally all that I make. So I don't really have a lot of money to, 
to just even drive down to the store. I can't afford to put gas in my car. What do you think that does to people that that are borderline homeless that live paycheck to paycheck? Do you think people can even afford to go to work? Who do you think that affects the most? Do you think climate change affects poor black people and others the most? Or do you think that shutting down the means of production, shutting down infrastructure, shutting down things that are easy to access, things that are they might not be the cleanest, but we're transitioning in the last hundred years from from whale oil to you know what we have today with electricity and fossil fuels. We'll switch eventually again in the future to something new. It'll, but if we stop everything now, people die. The UN's already estimated hundreds of millions are going to starve to death or have starved to death because of the lockdowns, and now they want climate lockdowns on top of all that. Who do you think that affects the most? It doesn't affect the, 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 the rich people or the middle class people. It affects the poorest people the most. The same people that they're telling us we need climate justice for. we got to fix the climate. No, you need to fix the policies because the policies are what's making people poor. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay with us. You are listening to The Secret Teachings contact the show to share information and your opinion or give recommendations email rdgable at yahoo.com visit the facebook page facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info this is linda godfrey author of monsters among us and you are listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. So you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on 24-7 with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. 
and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call out to the fallout back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. And your biggest issue is how are we going to pay for it? And, like, this is the war. This is our World War II. A capital firm called Kleiner Perkins. Are you aware of that company? <laughs> well, yes, I'm a partner at Kleiner Perkins. They have invested <laughs> about a billion dollars in 40 companies that are going to benefit from cap-and-trade legislation. So legislation that we are discussing here today, is that something that you are going to personally benefit from? There are the gravy trains, I have in sake. They make this trillions of pounds traded every year on carbon trading and doing silly things like building windmills, which will achieve nothing. I mean, there's money in it, and that has corrupted science. I'm not a scientist either. But you know what? I know a lot of really good scientists at NASA and at NOAA and at our major universities. And the best scientists in the world are all telling us that our activities are changing the climate. And now we're learning that scientists and researchers are looking at how to change the weather on purpose. Uh, I'm not a scientist, but I'm a keen observer. And um, if sea level rise is occurring, why am I not seeing signs of it? Climate has always been changing, uh, but this has nothing to do with man. At the time of our Revolutionary War, it was very cold here. And we warmed up from that. But we started warming up before the Industrial Revolution. There's something natural that we need to focus more on and understand that before we bring the CO2 concerns in. It's caused by a certain circulation pattern. CO2 does not cause circulation patterns. What causes those is combination of solar activity and uh, the state of the, the phases of the moon. And now we're learning that scientists and researchers are looking at how to change the weather on purpose. Again, it's nothing to do with CO2. Those who say that have no evidence for it. We physicists are firing trillion watt lasers into the sky to actually precipitate rain clouds and actually bring down lightning bolts. Like, this is the gravy train. Like, yep, like. I mean, there's money in it, and that has corrupted science. Corrupted science. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for listening, tuning in, morning, noon, or night, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. Our archive is on the website. If you missed any of our previous episodes, www.thesecretteachings.info. You can also subscribe to our full archive without advertisements, the private RSS feed, and with access to montages like the ones that we play on this show. All the ones we play on this show, like that one you just heard that we make here on The Secret Teachings, plus access to my digital books. Just visit the website, subscribe today. $40 for one year. Part of our transition here to Ground Zero Radio, $40 for one year. Because I know that 
people subscribe to Clyde's archive, then you got to subscribe to Ryan's archive, and it's just things can get expensive. So I'm trying to keep things cheap and uh, still trying to to make uh, the little bit of money we make to run this show here Monday through Friday. So please, if you have the means, subscribe to the archive or grab a copy of one of my books on the website. If you're interested in our subject tonight, I'd recommend The Technological Elixir. It's a massive book, 600 pages about six by nine, and it covers just in the first few chapters what we're discussing tonight, but it goes way, way beyond that. And uh, I have all the quotes, all the things from uh, Iron Mountain, the Club of Rome, Stanford Research Institute, and others. Like the report from Iron Mountain that says we should use pollution, we should use environmental issues, use conservation, use ecology as a means to unite society, just like in the 90s, the Club of Rome later said, this was 30 years later, the Club of Rome said that in searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution, global warming, water shortages, famine would, would fit the bill. Stanford Research Institute later on said that youth involvement in political processes and the emergence of the conservation ecology movement were steps toward collectively creating a new image of the human being. The report from Iron Mountain back in the 60s, though, went a little bit further because they said the ultimate goal was, quote, a comprehensive program of applied eugenics. You can find a lot of parallels between the 60s and the late 60s when we had Project Popeye and Project Storm Fury, two weather control programs officially in the historical record on .gov websites. And in the 1970s, around the time these programs were at their peak, we started hearing about global cooling. Time elapsed. We get into the 90s. Things start to change. We start hearing about global warming. And then things change later again into climate change. But along the way, it's always been the usage of pollution, global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like that would fit the bill using these things as an enemy or a series of enemies to unite us collectively against this, this common foe. Now, the, the communist Chinese did this late 1940s, early 1950s, way ahead of the game, when they lied in 1952 directly from Beijing to the people telling them that there were invisible viruses and bacterium and diseases spreading that were dropped by the Americans through infected uh, mosquitoes, flies, lice, everything you can imagine. None of it was true, but they forced people to stay in their homes. They locked them down, quarantined people, forced them to take vaccines. Anybody who spoke out against the government's policy were detained and God knows what happened to them. People also wore masks. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you, but that, that wasn't 2019, 2020. That, that was communist China in 1952. They wasted a lot of medical uh, products. They wasted, I mean, just immense amount of waste. Uh, totally unnecessary for people that were healthy. And then later on in the, I believe it was like the mid-1970s, uh, one of the premier leaders of the party died, but he was kind of a moderate, so the party 
wanted to get rid of his image because they didn't want to inspire people to to change the the very strict methods of how the communists were were running the country. So because people tried to honor this this dead premier uh, Zhao Enlai, they they banned the protests, and so people went to the capital. They went to Tiananmen Square, and they started holding little ceremonies, little wreaths and flowers and poems. And uh, the party ripped those up and sent troops in. And anybody who had been to the capital, they said, would um, would be under investigation. Kind of sounds familiar to what happened uh, in 2021, doesn't it? But that wasn't 2021. That was the 1970s in communist China. It's it's an interesting repeating of history, don't you think? And the, the funny thing is, as much as the Communist Party of China were adamant about preserving the natural lands, the Great Leap Forward program of Mao Zedong absolutely obliterated the natural world. They, they destroyed forests. They destroyed, I mean, people didn't know how to, people were put into, uh, into farms, didn't know how to farm. People were put into smelting uh, facilities, didn't know how to smelt. People were doing that kind of stuff in their backyard. Nobody knew what to do. People were being injured. People were dying. I mean, in the end, 60 to 80, maybe even up to 100 million people died, 45 million from starvation because of government incompetence. And they destroyed the natural world. They destroyed the ground. They destroyed the trees. It's such a strange, eerie parallel to what's happening today. And it's all, it's all about saving the environment, right? Saving the planet. When I've got all these institutes, all these, all these policymakers, all these reports, all these political statements that are telling me from the 1960s until today that the goal is to use pollution, water shortages, droughts, famine, global warming, etc., environmentalism, conservationism, ecology, to use those things to reshape society and to create a new man, a new normal. And that at the root core of all of this, like BLM wanting to get rid of the family structure, women's marches promoting abortion, and they have children there holding up pro-abortion signs, when both of those, black consciousness, quote, and women's liberation movement, quote, were two key policies alongside of environmentalism and using children in the political processes as shields like March for Our Lives or Lies and other groups for, for gun control and things like that. This is all part of the, the same standard policy playbook for the last 60 years. It's nothing new. If you, if you understand the history of it, then you recognize what's happening today and you, you can just look around and say, well, that's, that's, that's the report from Iron Mountain. That's the Club of Rome. And I mean, if if those things weren't true, if those were fictitious things, somebody's clearly using the idea, wouldn't you say? And, and, and at the root of all of this is like BLM, get rid of the family, like the pro-abortion groups and having children be pro-abortion. It's, it's irony and it's weird, but at the root of all of this is what the Iron Mountain Report for the, the Desirability of Peace said, a comprehensive program of applied eugenics. And further, they said, New religions or other mythologies, and this is what we get when we name hurricanes, we name heat waves, we name snowstorms, the bomb cyclone, heat wave peaked, you know, hurricane whatever. It's a mythology. We look back on it and we can all remember Hurricane Andrew. Remember Hurricane Katrina. It's like remember 9-11. It's this trauma bonding that we do culturally and socially. We bond together as a society. 
And when those types of things happen, nobody wants to discuss the details. There's only one thing that's allowed to be discussed. You can discuss how much you care for the victims, how much you want to help the victims, you all these fraud charities that collect you know, millions of dollars when there's a hurricane or something like that. And underneath of all of that is this, well, if, if climate change would, uh, if we could get this under control, maybe, we, maybe these people wouldn't have died. Gun control, if we can get guns under control, maybe these kids wouldn't have died. If you don't pass this legislation, there's going to be worse storms. If you don't pass this legislation, there's going to be more kids that die. I don't know about you, but when I hear things like that, it almost find, kind of feels like a threat. It's always felt like a threat to me. You don't pass this legislation where more kids are going to die. It doesn't sound like a warning, like, hey, this might happen. It just sounds like a threat. And it is a threat, regardless of how you break, break it down and define the word threat. It's a threat because it's like, well, more kids are going to die. It's, just, it's fear. We don't want kids to die. I don't want the climate to, to erupt into this uncontrollable burning that burns the whole world down. It's, listen, I live out here in Arizona now. And I lived out here a couple of years ago, and I, I moved here uh, in June. Right after contact in the desert. I went to contact in the desert, flew back to Boise, Idaho, where I was living at the time. And uh, then I, I got, I got the, the Penske truck, actually, that very day, and uh, drove down to Tucson, Arizona here. And uh, later had to move away. Finally got a chance to move back. And when I was living here before in Tucson, it's not as hot as Phoenix, but it's pretty hot. I'm literally in the middle of the Sonoran Desert, one of the hottest places outside Death Valley in the country. And when I lived here before, right around the time of the summer solstice, so it's obviously the hottest, there there were a couple of days where the temperature got up to 117. One day in particular, I remember it was 119. It wasn't 119 the whole day. It was just it was 119 for like two hours, and then it dropped back down. But when you go outside in that temperature, it, it, you'll get burned very, very fast. Your flesh doesn't burn off your body, but you get you can get burned really fast and you get heat stroke. You don't even recognize it. It's so hot. But now living here in 2022, today is June 20th, so this is the start of the summer solstice, Letha, 20th through the 23rd. It's usually a three-day festival from the 20th into the 21st, 22nd, 23rd. It's a three-day festival, like, uh, you know, like Yule, the winter solstice, Ostara, the spring equinox, Mabon, the fall equinox, and then the midpoints, you know, Imbolc, Beltane, Luknasad, and Samhain, or Samhain Halloween, we call it. So this is Letha. Today starts the summer solstice. And I looked up the temperature for Tucson earlier today and uh, to see what, what the high was supposed to be and what the high is supposed to be uh, for the rest of the week. And today in Tucson, the low was 73, the high was 98. Around noon today, it was 88 degrees. Today is the 20th. It is the summer solstice. Tomorrow, it's supposed to be 94 degrees. Wednesday is 98 degrees. Thursday and Friday are 99 and 96 degrees, but there's supposed to be a lot of uh, thunderstorms at the end of this week because monsoon season just started. 
Why am I telling you that? Why do you care about that? Maybe you're in another country. Why do you care what the temperature is in, in Tucson? Well, when I lived here before, it was 117 degrees around this time of the year because I moved here right during the summer solstice. Now, that's just a circumstantial piece of evidence. I lived here a few years ago. It was 117. Today, it's 88 degrees. It's, I think the high today was, it was 98, but it's, it probably got up into the 90s, you know, 93, 94, 95. But it's not, it didn't break 100 so it's, it's literally more than 17 degrees cooler today than it was four years ago or so when I moved here. It was back in like 2018. So my question is how, because I lived here, I remember it. I remember, that's the hottest I ever felt, 117 degrees, 119 degrees. How is it that I'm being told, you're being told, everybody's being told in the media that this is not tolerable weather it's it's an intolerable heat now you think about it like this like personally i'll tell you a little anecdotal story i'm from florida i love heat it's in my blood it's in you know in my dna i don't particularly like humidity but i i like heat i do not like cold and that temperature gauge drops below 75 i'm i'm really cold that's me. Okay. Maybe I'm an abnormality. Some people really like the cold weather. If, if that temperature is above 70, they're too hot. Everybody's different. You see how individual preferences can lead to biases, especially if you have a political viewpoint. Your political viewpoint, your individual preferences can really lead to extreme biases and lead you to believe that something is true or not true based on that personal, direct personal experience. And it goes both ways, whether you believe in global warming or climate change or whatever. But what I'm telling you is when I lived here four years ago, the temperature was hotter than it is now. That doesn't mean that the planet is suddenly cooling down. I'm, I'm just saying that temperatures fluctuate. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. There's an article from June 16th. June 16th. This is from Yahoo News, but it was also, I believe, carried by the AP. So everybody picked this up. It's not tolerable anymore. Southwest residents endure more severe heat waves thanks, thanks to climate change. Thanks to climate change. Now, I'm a Southwest resident, and here's what they're telling me that I have to deal with. The Southwest suffered through another intense heat wave over the weekend. This was last weekend. With Denver, which I... I didn't know Denver was in, is Denver in the Southwest? I thought Denver was, was further north. Uh, Las Vegas and Phoenix all posting record high temperatures over 100 degrees Fahrenheit on Saturday. Death Valley in California reached a record high for June 11th of 122 degrees. In Las Vegas, the mercury rose to a record setting 109 degrees two days in a row. Then the heat dome the heat dome, like the terror to welcome to the terror dome. The heat dome moved eastward with a high temperature of 96 degrees in the twin cities of Minnesota. So you read that and you think, okay, I didn't know Denver was in the Southwest, but I mean, I'm watching the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, it's up there in Colorado, Denver, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, I, I didn't know 
I, hell, if it was in the Southwest, I'd have went to the game. I didn't realize that. So I don't know if that's a typo or what that is. But, but the point is Las Vegas and Phoenix, Las Vegas and Phoenix and Death Valley. These are some of the hottest places in the United States. Now, if suddenly Montana had a heat wave of 122 degrees for a couple of weeks, then we'd have something to talk about. If, I don't know, like if, if Portland suddenly was, was sunny for six months and it, it stopped raining, it, was, it wasn't dreary, and the temperature went to 115, then we'd be like, okay, there's something wrong. Something is changing. But it's Phoenix, and it's the summer solstice. It's always this hot. It's Tucson. It's the summer solstice. It's always this hot. It's Death Valley. It's usually hotter in Death Valley. But you notice what they said. Death Valley in California reached a record high for June 11th of 122 degrees. Which means that it could have been below the average temperature for the month of June. But June 11th reached a record high for that specific day so they can claim that there's a record-setting temperature for Death Valley. Yes, for that day, but based on what record? Because if that record goes back, let's say that record goes back, let's keep this really simple. Let's say the record on June 11th for Death Valley, California goes back five years. Five years. In 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. In each of these years, the temperature increased by, by one degree, let's say, to keep it very simple. So in 2022, the temperature is 122 degrees. But in 2017, it was 117 degrees on June 11th. But prior to those five years, the temperature could have been 115 on average. And prior to that, it could have been 130 on average. So they pick a small timeline, that's their record, and then they apply it to a single day and say it's the hottest on record for this day. And you're supposed to think the planet is on fire. This is not science. This is fraud. This is manipulation of the data. This is a manipulation of reality. This is fear-based political correctness using climate, like with guns or abortion or any hot topic, no pun intended, to whip people into a frenzy. Oh my God, it's the hottest day on record for this specific day going back this many weeks. I read another article that said the temperature hasn't been this hot since 1908, someplace here in Arizona. So you're admitting it was that hot or hotter in 1908. So what was the same thing responsible for that temperature in 1908 that's responsible for the temperature now? Like if it's as hot today as it was in 1908, then nothing really changed. It's not like the temperature today is 50 degrees hotter and everything burned up and melted away. This is what they do with charts. If you look historically at heat waves, for example... You look at historically at heat waves. This is from the EPA. This is not my opinion. This is not from some conservative anti-science website. This is from the Environmental Protection Agency, the same one that told Texas to turn off their power plants 
and allowed people to freeze to death in the name of environmentalism. Because remember, as the report from Iron Mountain said, eugenics is the ultimate goal. Eugenics, a comprehensive agenda of applied eugenics. This is the Environmental Protection Agency annual heat wave index from 1895 to 2020. Climate change indicators, heat waves, posted under the show promo on facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. If you go back to the 1930s, it's the hottest set of heat waves, the longest set of heat waves on record. That's a fact. I don't care if you want to try and dispute it. I don't care if you don't believe it. This is from the Environmental Protection Agency. The hottest, longest heat waves, multi-day extreme heat events, the, the, the longest number of uh, multi-day extreme heat events back in the 1930s. So if you look at this chart, look at 1940, for example. There's a peak in 1940, and then it dropped in 1945, very low, and then went back up and then dropped and then went up and dropped a little and then went up again pretty high and then dropped back down. And then from around the 19, 1958 or so until 1980, there were hardly any multi-day extreme heat waves. And then it went up and down, up a little bit, down a little bit, up a lot, down a little bit, down a lot, up, up, down, 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 up, da, 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 da. And then 2008, 2010, it went up again, 2012, and then it dropped substantially in 2015, and then it went back up, down, up, down, and now it's going up again. So when you look at the data for more than a few days, what happens is you recognize, oh, there was a huge decline from 1938 to 1940 in heat waves. Does that mean it's global cooling? And then there was a huge not as large as the 30s, but a huge incline in 2008 through 2012, 13, and then it declined steeply. Is that global warming? Is that global cooling? See, everything is everything. Every raindrop, every snowflake, every drought, every flood, every hurricane, every heat wave, every cold spell, everything is blamed on climate change. Global warming, global cooling, it's climate change. Even when you look at the EPA's own numbers and they show you that heat waves are have been consistent and they're actually statistically they're 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 lower than what they have been on average. It doesn't matter to the cult. Because it is a cult. It's a death cult. And I think you should know this information so you have an ability to debate and be informed. And that's why I do this show, and I hope that you enjoy it. There's another segment coming up after this. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings. Our website, thesecretteachings.info, rdgable at yahoo.com. There's a lot more where that came from. Stay with us. John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. 
It's The Secret Teachings, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, airing exclusively five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. being told that all across the United States, all across the American Southwest, there are intense heat waves that, according to mainstream news, are totally intolerable. Humans can't handle the intense heat. So I decided here in Tucson, Arizona, one of the hotter parts of the country, that I would check out the weather today. And I recognized that the weather was projected to be 98 degrees and no higher, with a low of 73 degrees. Around noon today, it was 88 degrees. For those of you who don't know or forgot, 
Today is June 20th. It is the start of Letha, the summer solstice. Now, this is the hottest time of the year for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere. And for those of us in places that are desert, closer to the equator, places like Florida, Mexico, it's really freaking hot. But just because it's really freaking hot doesn't mean that the really freaking hot temperatures are caused by climate change. I lived here four years ago. I moved here in June four years ago. There were a few days during that summer solstice week that temperature increased to 117 degrees and 119 degrees. The highest I've seen it this month of June is 112. That's direct sunlight 10 to noon in the morning, sometime between then. Direct sunlight, 112 degrees. Yeah, that's hot, but it's also the Sonoran Desert. Yeah, that's hot, but it's not as hot as it was in 2017. That doesn't mean that the climate is shifting. It means that temperatures fluctuate. Now, the mainstream media and local media here in Tucson even Oh my God, it's the hottest time on record. It's so hot. So it's like, it's always this hot. It's the desert. And the only places the media goes to find these temperatures, they go to Las Vegas, Phoenix, and Death Valley. And I think, well, probably Tucson has to fall on that list in the top 10 as one of the hottest places in the country. But they go to Death Valley. Of course, it's the hottest place in the country, I believe. It's, and it's the summer solstice. It's going to be hot. But instead of reporting generally the temperature, this Yahoo News article says Death Valley in California reached a record high for June 11th of 122 degrees. Not a record high ever going back 100 years. A record high for June 11th of 122 degrees. Then the question is, how far does that record go back for that specific day? Because the temperature could have been 130 100 years ago. One article I read actually said that that this it hasn't been this hot in Arizona since 1908. Really? Well, what caused it to be that hot in 1908? See, this is what they do with statistics and data. This is what was done with the medieval warm period. Remember the medieval warm period around the 800 to 1300 mark AD? It was hotter then than it is now, but we didn't have fossil fuels burning, so a few scientists, a few People said it was because everybody burned, had fires burning, which is one of the most, if you, if you suggested that, you should have lost your degree or your license or whatever the, <laughs> whatever the hell it was that gave you credibility to make such an asinine statement. But they removed that from the IPCC report because it conflicted with their predetermined conclusion. What is the predetermined conclusion? The predetermined conclusion is that human activity is causing the climate to shift and the planet to change and everything's on fire. And as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who thought there were more than two houses of Congress and then also didn't know how many branches of government there were, that woman said this is our World War II. She said that. I played the montage earlier with her saying that this is, this is like our World War II. I'm not sure what that means, but see, it's, it's young people in particular, and I'm still very young myself. It's young people in particular 
that get behind the idea that, yeah, we should take care of the planet. Yeah, we sh- women should have rights. Yeah, guns can hurt people. Yeah, black people deserve to be treated equally. Not having any context, any perspective, any information, any knowledge, any understanding of the rule of law or of history. Just a terrorized population of young people who are so disturbed over these things, mostly because they've been told they could be killed in school and or they only have a few years to live as the planet catches fire and burns beyond repair. You saw the woman tie herself to the the tennis net a few weeks ago. You saw a couple of years ago a guy that lit himself on fire. I think it was in Central Park in New York. One only needs to look into social policies to realize that all this hysteria is admittedly weaponized. Going back to the 1960s with the report from Iron Mountain, which said, and I will quote, the goal of all of this stuff, the goal of climate, environmentalism, conservation, ecology, all that, the goal is a comprehensive program of applied eugenics. That's their statement, a comprehensive program of applied eugenics. Why would you want to, this is like Blue's Clues, why, what could Blue want to do with fear over climate change and pollution? What could Blue want to do with these things? Could he want to save the planet? Kids are like, no, 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 I don't want to save the planet. It's something else. And then someone he finally says, it's a comprehensive program, a plan of applied eugenics. Oh, that's what Blue wants to do. Blue wants to use environmentalism and people's natural concerns for the environment, natural concerns for others, natural concerns for the marginalized to advance their political agendas so that they can take full control of society to create Here is another quote to create what the Stanford Research Institute said would be a new image of a human being. So the Club of Rome said 30 years after the Iron Mountain report that in searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea of pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine and the like would fit the bill. Huh? Kind of sounds like they want to use environmentalism to control your life. Stanford Research Institute said they wanted to use the youth in political processes. And part of that would be to use the emergence of the conservation ecology movement, one of the steps toward creating this new image of the human being. In using young people for political reasons, they said two additional things could be utilized, among others, women's liberation and black consciousness. And I find it interesting that women's liberation, which is, you know, the the, the feminist to LGBTQ+, plus to somehow that has something to do with abortion, the women's marches, the abortion marches, and black consciousness. Black consciousness, that's, that's their words, black consciousness. What is that? Well, that's BLM. What's BLM? BLM is a Marxist group, admittedly. Patrice Kohler said they're Marxist, and their goal is to disrupt the Western-prescribed nuclear family structure. So let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. Black consciousness embodied in Black Lives Matter wants to get rid of the family structure, and a group that's supposed to be promoting and, and, and bringing about discussion uh, of, of the deaths of young black people at the hands of police or social injustice, in their own documents say that their goal is to focus on women and children to raise them in a collective village and to get rid of the family unit, which has already been done to black communities. 
and is now being done to every community. I don't know how that works, but I find it suspicious that that is precisely the same motivation behind women's liberation movements, which are pro-abortion and groups like birth strikers that don't want to have children because of climate change or extinction rebellion, which dress like the handmaiden's tail and put masks on and look like something from an eyes wide shut movie. And it's all geared towards destroying the family, destroying children, separating mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, separating children from their parents, from their guardians, and taking control of the child through the hands of the state. And whether it's black consciousness, women's liberation, Stanford Research Institute using kids, you know, gun control, pro-abortion, all these things, uh, women's rights and, and gun control and climate change, got all the kids panicking and scared about everything. When it's, it's a policy to use children as part of the political process as shields against criticism and opponents critiquing or debating that which it is you, you, you are, are promoting that, that you wish to bring about. You find that, I find that kind of, kind of interesting that all these movements, especially the ones that are empowered by the youth, all these movements, climate, race, women's rights, they all seem to have at their core the destruction of the fundamental cornerstone of the human race. And then as part of the ecological movement, a, quote, comprehensive program of applied eugenics. The Stanford Research Institute goes arguably even further. They outright say, quote, experimentation with new family structures. People are now getting married. They're not even romantic or sexual. They're just getting married for the, for the political or the economic benefits of it. There's, a, um, there's an interesting story that came out in 2018, I believe it was. And it was about planet Earth and um, how many people are on planet Earth. And, you know, we were told back in the, in the 50s before the report from Iron Mountain in the early 60s, we were told that what was going to happen is that we were going to starve to death by the turn of the century. But that didn't happen. We actually have more than double the people. We have as so much food, we don't even know what to do with it. All these stories, all these scare tactics, they, they never pan out. I mean, in the 70s, with Project Popeye and Project Storm Fury, weather modification programs, you also had the beginning of global cooling. That proceeded to global warming in the 1990s and a little bit before, and then now it's climate change, right? So just like the Iron Mountain Report, they say that a comprehensive program of applied eugenics is the ultimate goal of using ecology and conservation. See, it doesn't mean I don't care about the planet. That's the fallacy. It doesn't mean I don't care about nature. Like, I don't throw my trash out the window when I'm driving down the road. I like to conserve my fuel. I actually drive pretty slow because I, I find that I get better gas mileage. I do those things because it benefits, it benefits me. I don't do those things because someone tells me I have to to be a good person. Personally, I don't eat meat. It's a personal decision. I don't like the taste of it. I find it expensive. I find it gross. I, I think it makes me sick when I eat it. Just like dairy always made me sick. I don't like those things, but I don't choose to eat the way I do, which, by the way, is very abundant and colorful and from sushi to burritos to whatever. I, I make whatever I want with plants and legumes and nuts and seeds and all that. I make whatever. I don't need meat to do that, but I don't eat that way because Bill Gates, whose favorite food is a cheeseburger, tells me I have to to save the planet. 
The Guardian newspaper ran a headline in 2018 reading the following. Empty half the earth of its humans. It's the only way to save the planet. Now, of course, this is a very sensational clickbait story, right? But it conveys a very blatant and arrogant message, especially considering that the financier of the story was the Rockefeller Foundation. Literally, it says that under the headline of the story. Now, initially, the stated goal is to condense human settlements, they say, already overcrowded, to larger cities while restricting suburbs. It says, quote, in ecological terms, suburbs are disastrous while cities can perhaps work. But in reality, the opposite is true. And it's weird that they would suggest that we push people more and more into cities because that's where you have the higher concentration. That's where you have higher pollution, worse air quality. Why would you push people into cities? How would restricting outward growth solve the problem of overcrowding? It then suggests in a very Trojan horse-like way, very serpentine-like way, to, quote, leave about half the Earth's surface mostly free of humans so wild plants and animals can live there unimpeded as they did for long before humans arrived. Same with the oceans, by the way. About a third of our food comes from the sea, so the seas have to be healthy too. That's a quote from the 2018 Rockefeller Foundation article. Leave half the Earth's surface mostly free of humans. I don't know if you notice this, but most of the Earth's surface, way more than half, is already free of humans. Even with agriculture, most of the Earth's surface is free of human activity. Most of it. You go up on the mountain here in Tucson, the mountain Tucson Mountain Park where the saguaro cactuses are. You go up there on that mountain, you look out, or you go to Mount Lemmon like I did a few days ago to go camping last weekend. You can look down in the city. It's a, it's a small city, and there ain't nothing for miles. Nothing. A little town here or there. You know, all these disturbingly named towns here in Arizona like Bloody Horse Basin, and, you know, I, I got bit by a rattlesnake. <laughs> you know, road or whatever. It's funny names, but there's nothing. I mean, if you drive across the American Southwest, there is absolutely nothing. You drive across Texas, Nevada, there's nothing. Drive from Las Vegas to, to Reno. Uh, there, there's, no, there's nothing. The planet already is more than half unfilled by human activity. So why would the Rockefeller Foundation be suggesting we empty the earth of half of its humans and then also keep half the earth's surface free of humans when half the earth's surface plus a lot more than that is already free of humans? The article suggests moving entire populations into green megacities. They use the word green. That would, quote, include technologies we call law and justice, the system software. That's a quote. In other words, putting everybody into a megacity with computers that can determine guilt based on patterns, algorithms, and programming to target a person who has not even committed a crime yet. Minority report. It would meet a 24-hour surveillance grid and strict social controls. Now, some may think we either already have this or we're approaching this reality very quickly, and you'd be right. But the article from The Guardian says that in order to, to get here, in order to get to this final destination, just keep doing what you're doing because 
the plan is already in full motion. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Because this is the only way we're going to save the planet. And this is, this is how it's all done, isn't it? It's like, if you don't want to be put into a mega city and not be able to travel outside of that city, which is what is going to happen with electric cars and then, you know, driverless cars, then you hate the planet. You hate the environment. If you don't give up your right to bear arms, which means putting you on equal ground with someone who's oppressing you or someone who's assaulting or attacking you, the British military used a weapon of war, the brown best, just like the colonists did, the brown best musket. So if you don't want to give up your right to self-defense, which ultimately is what the right to bear arms is, then you must want kids to die. If you don't want there to be outright abortion everywhere so that Planned Parenthood can collect developed specimens after the 15-week period, which is the cutoff in most states, which I find to be very reasonable, then you must hate women and don't think women have rights. If you don't want to be tracked 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all the time, everywhere you go, you don't want to have your, your travel, your food, and everything monitored, then you must want carbon dioxide to engulf the planet and kill everything. Despite the fact that as a result of increased carbon dioxide emissions, the planet is actually greener now than it has been in years, perhaps ever since we started monitoring it. Heat waves that, just like hurricanes, they want to name as part of the Iron Mountain Report plan for new religions and new mythologies. Naming hurricanes, naming heat waves. Heat waves peaked in the 1930s based on data from 1890 until 2020. And every time it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. In the 30s, it goes really far up and then it drops. And if you isolate a tiny piece of this graph, you can say, look, the heat wave, multi-day extreme heat events, they're actually increasing when, yes, they are increasing. That's true. But the context isn't there because then they'll go back down. U.S. wildfires also, in terms of millions of acres burned, dropped substantially from the 1930s. And you can see the heat wave peak and the fires. If you look at those two data points compared to each other from the NIFC.gov and from the EPA, 1930s, you had a peak in wildfires, you had a peak in heat waves, heat waves dropped off, wildfires dropped off. And then a slight peak again, little peak in the 50s, little peak in the 90s, little peak in 2010, and then it drops back off. In 2020, just 25% of what was burned in the 1930s was scorched. Not to mention that nine times more people die of cold than of heat every single year. Increased temperatures would actually save hundreds of thousands of lives, statistically, because heat saves more lives than cold kills. It's about it's like nine to one. But they don't tell you that, do they? Do they tell you that as a result of adaptation to nature, climate-related deaths have dropped from 500,000 in the 1920s to under 10,000 today, and it's estimated somewhere about even half that. It's like five, 6,000 by 2022. That carbon dioxide is making the world not only greener, but it's actually making plants stronger. And when they have more carbon dioxide, the little... I think they're called stomata. The little stomata on the plants actually retain, they, they close and they retain more water. So more carbon dioxide means 
not more drought. It means less drought, more drought-resistant plants without genetic engineering. Did you know that one of the major ways that climate disasters are manufactured in the media is a, a very deceptive trick. Not only do they say things like Death Valley on June 11th reached a record high for that day of 122 degrees, so they isolate a single day. They have a, a very isolated uh, graphic of where they're getting the information from. They're cherry-picking the data. But here's a report from 2021. This was last year, a year from uh, today, going back. This is from The Telegraph. 2021's extreme weather leads to insurers' biggest payout in 10 years. They say climate scientists have long predicted that the global climate crisis will contribute to more frequent extreme weather events such as storms, floods, and heat waves across the world. Although we've adapted to a lot of these things and they're actually declining. The reason that people suffer from floods or from storms or from fires or from heat waves is because, well, there aren't, uh, in some cases, uh, large enough uh, seawalls. There aren't, uh, you know, early warning systems for storms. There aren't air conditioners for heat waves. When we have air conditioners for heat waves, we have higher seawalls. We have, you know, better construction of things. We adapt more. We have early warning systems. We, we, we change and adapt with our environment. We suffer less from heat waves and floods and storms and extreme weather events, extreme or otherwise. Overall economic losses in 2021 came in below their 10-year medium at $93 billion. Yet they say this is one of 2021 was the biggest payout insurers had to make in, in, in about 10 years. But here's the trick. If you have a house and you build that house on the ocean and you paid, I'm not a mathematician, so I'm going to keep the numbers very simple. You paid $10 for that house. That house gets washed away in a storm and you call that Climate change. Climate change cost $10 of damage. Now, because of inflation and a lot of other shady economic things, that house is now worth $20. House didn't change. Climate didn't change. But now the same storm, same intensity, same place hits, washes the house away again. Now the damage is $20. The damage have, has doubled. But the storm didn't increase in intensity. You didn't do anything to improve the house to make it worth more. And even if you did, well, that would be why it's why the damage is worse. Because you have bigger houses with more expensive property in more expensive places with more expensive items. Houses are bigger today than they were 100 years ago. So even if you had 10 houses on a beach and uh, nine of them were shacks, and one of them was this big multi-million dollar mansion, say a $10 million Malibu beach house or something. But the rest of them are really tiny, like little little shacks, like little one studio, rent them out, Airbnb type things. And a hurricane comes through. It doesn't touch the shacks, but it destroys the multi-million dollar Malibu beach house. Okay, $10 million house. It's in the, you know, the, what could be Gulf of Mexico, could be wherever. The hurricane comes through, decimates it. Now it's $10 million worth of damage caused by that, that hurricane. But if we measure climate changes based on the cost of the property, the cost of the house, 
that obscures reality because the house cost $10 million and it was washed away, but that was a really expensive house. The hurricane didn't touch the other nine houses. Maybe that house was built in a place where it shouldn't have been built. Maybe we shouldn't build houses and not expect them to be devastated by these types of storms when you build a house in the Gulf of Mexico on artificial fingers out there at St. Pete Beach where I grew up. A lot of that area out there is artificial where they build big multi-million dollar mansions on artificial fingers on a peninsula on a peninsula in the literal Gulf of Mexico. And then, oh, no, it's climate change. No, it's not climate change. You built your house literally in the ocean, literally in the ocean, literally in the ocean. You're lucky that only happens maybe once a year there's a bad storm that floods. Maybe. You're lucky that's, that, that, that's what happens. Build your house in a fire lane, same thing. Build your house below sea level. Hurricane comes through, it floods. Oh, there's more floods. Oh, there's more fires in a fire lane. Oh, because we have more expensive things, we have larger things. But the intensity of storms has not increased. We've actually had less severe hurricanes in the last few years. And when they do strike, if they strike a very populated, wealthy area, the damage is going to be higher than if they struck a poorer area. It could be the same storm. Just like Death Valley was 122 degrees, it was a record high for June 11th, based on a record that goes back a certain number of years. I believe this is the simplest proof that if you need to alter dates and alter statistical timelines and data points, and you need to alter without any context how you determine climatic disasters based on economics, based on things that aren't even considered inflation, you don't have a very good argument. And when the Club of Rome and the report from Iron Mountain and the Stanford Research Institute, and when they're all saying use ecology, use conservation, use pollution, use black consciousness, BLM, use women's liberation, and and you see BLM want to get rid of the family and extinction rebellion and birth strikers and climate, 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 can't have kids, and then a comprehensive program of applied eugenics is really the ultimate goal. Using climate, using any issue to convince you that you as a person, it's a very sophisticated form of warfare, you as a person are causing damage to this planet and the only way that you can save the planet, kill yourself. Don't have a family, don't have kids. So eugenicists and homicidal crazy psychopaths, they don't have to kill you anymore. They don't have to commit genocide anymore. They don't have to commit mass Armageddon-like holocausts, they can convince you to kill yourself in spirit and physically and not to have a family. Because, of course, well, you have to save the planet. And I say to that, cool your jet streams and stop teaching kids that everybody is going to die in 10 years. I think that's child abuse because it's not true. It wasn't true in the 70s. It's not true today. Ice caps never melted. Miami's not underwater. It's built in the water, it's not underwater. Nothing we've been told is true. It's hysteria, it's fear, it's panic, and it's the usage of fallacies and non-contextual information to convince you of something that doesn't even have anything to do with the environment. It has everything to do with a new enemy image to create a new man through eugenics or a comprehensive program of applied eugenics. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email if you'd like to support this show and keep us on air. Subscribe to our archive. It's separate than Clyde's, separate from Clyde's, uh, an aftermath. Private RSS feed, access to all the shows. 
You get access to the montages, the digital books as well, the ones that I wrote, including the Technological Elixir. www.thesecretteachings.info is the website. That's www.thesecretteachings.info. You can also find us on facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and TST underscore underscore radio on Twitter. There's also Gab and Gitter, but I don't really use those a lot. Our affiliate sponsors, check them out as well. The Tuttle Twins, Pro One Water Filters, and our archive supporter, Transistor.fm, all on the website. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. We have a lot of really great shows for you this week as we approach and enter into Letha, the summer solstice, here on The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. We'll talk to you in the next broadcast.